Welcome to Base Space. A crypto podcast. Base Space. Hey everyone, welcome to the Base Space. This is a crypto podcast hosted by myself, the Crypto Mewtwo, with Chase Coins and Super High, and we focus on creating opportunities for growth, networking, and education in the crypto industry. Today, we have the honor of having Eric, founder and CEO for Cartesi. Welcome to the show, Eric. We're pumped to have you on, man. Thank you, Muto. Thanks, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Um, it's a little bit of a tradition here at the base space. Whenever we bring someone on, we always love to hear like their crypto story, maybe keep it brief and just tell us how you got into the space. Sure. So... Back in 2016, I, I was a digital nomad as well. And I, I was working for the software industry for, for several years, like uh, almost 20 years. And uh, developing for Web2, uh, desktop, different industries. And then in 2016, I started to get into, get to know about Bitcoin, about Ethereum, and I got caught, right? I thought it was quite interesting, revolutionary. And back then, I, I was just playing uh, with small amounts, uh, uh, investing a little bit of, of money here and there, just to, to understand and play with platforms. And uh, started to develop some software to help me to, to get data from, from exchanges and analyze data to, to know how to put the money. And that started to hook me in. And I, I was traveling the world back then. I was living in, living in Asia. And I, I was also at a point in my life that I wanted to make a change because I was kind of exhausted uh, about doing the kind of uh, software I was doing before. So I was an independent developer, but in the end, I was working like a, an agency. I had a few people from around the globe that were working for some software projects uh, that I was leading. And uh, around that time, a friend of mine that went to school with me, um, he called me from his math institute in Brazil. He said, look, I'm developing with my colleague here at IMPA, this uh, Institute for Applied Math, Pure and Applied Math in Rio. And, uh, you know, we are academics. We want to, to make this project a real business. Uh, would you like to be our CEO? I say, yeah, why not? Uh, I was at a point in my life that I, that I was really into crypto and into blockchain. I was fascinated about what they were trying to, to build. And uh, got some good people around me uh, that I knew from the entrepreneurial uh, space uh, here in Taiwan, and we, we founded the company. It was uh, it was not a, an easy beginning because uh, right after we decided to start, we, we incorporated in early 2018, the crypto market started to go down. So Cartes was born really in the crypto winter. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, how did you like, survive like what was what was it what was it like building in in a bear market and um are there any like key lessons that, that you took away from that that maybe other founders should be aware of now that we're kind of entering like you know a similar bearish period 
Sure. I think there were a few factors that were very important for us to persist. First of all, we, we had a group of, uh, of people that you know, knew each other for, for some time. Uh, one of my best friends uh, was one of the co-founders. And we also got the, uh, the support from Sergei Popov, one of the founders of IOTA. He was the first person to, to invest, to put some money uh, in Cartesi. Basically because he was a colleague of Augusto, another co-founder who is a math professor. Augusto and Sergei Popov uh, wrote, uh, co-authored a few um, technical articles in math. So they were colleagues. And, and uh, Sergei, before we started with Cartesi, Sergei was poking, poking Augusto to get into crypto. right? And Augusto read the Bitcoin uh, white paper, got very excited, and that, that's how things start. So we started with some money, uh, not much. And, and we, I mean, I, I, I kept my, uh, my daytime job, my, my previous projects. I was working part-time at the beginning. Uh, most of us were working part-time at the beginning. And uh, after, after that, we, we entered a, uh, we went through China Accelerator, which is a program uh, that is uh, kept by SOSV, one, one VC funds in the U.S. They have these accelerators around the globe. And then they decided to, to invest, put some money uh, into our projects. In 2018, we spent one, one month, in, uh, three months in Shanghai going through their program, which was, was also very interesting and valid. Uh, and then, we, I mean, we, we kept trying to fundraise for, for several months, talked to so many investors, but the, the, the whole atmosphere was quite uh, pessimistic back then. But we, we were passionate about what we were doing, although, to be frank, at the beginning, you know, there were, uh, there were more questions and more unknowns about the direction to go uh, and the business models. But we, we had a, a lot of passion to keep going. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And now, and I, I think you mentioned like your team is, is 50 people, right? Correct, correct. Yeah. Yeah, and then eventually, uh, eventually we uh, went to, you know, we fundraised through a private, a couple of private rounds, got some investors, and eventually we went to Binance uh, Launchpad. 2020, uh, and I think that 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 turned things around. It was a, was a major event. When we went to Binance Launchpad, we were also uh, wrapping up the development of Crypts, which was a, a game that showcased the potential of our platform. What we're trying to prove was that it was possible to run a you know a complex computational uh, thingy. Uh, you know, run a, a heavy computation in a decentralized way, preserving the security guarantees of, of Ethereum. And we developed a, a, a tower defense game. We went with that game through Binance Launchpad. People loved it. It was super uh, interesting, very euphoric time. Uh, yeah, but then we had a lot of work from that point on. I think that's a really important. You touched on uh, just everyone kind of having a common goal while in the bear, in the bear market because you can't just always be incentivized by money, right? I mean, you have to be wanting to build something. So I think that's really great. 
Um, just for the listeners that are, you know, listening on Spotify or here now, um, could you give a high level explanation of what Cartesi is and what, and just what you guys do? Sure. So I think everyone here or probably everyone is familiar with the idea of layer two technologies, the, the scalability issues of blockchains. So most of the projects that are working on layer two, like rollups, ZK rollups, optimistic rollups, they are trying to increase uh, the computational capabilities, the number of transactions people can do per block and uh, diminish costs, etc. But they are trying to preserve the, uh, the, the, the programmability that we find today on blockchain. So, so they are EVM compatible. Usually people develop things for layer two using Solidity or they just port smart contracts that were running layer one to layer two. The basic idea is for people to get more scalability, right? That, that's the main reason uh, for people to develop these layer two systems. In our case, uh, from the beginning, we, we realized that there was some interesting opportunity here because, you know, because, because the computational abilities of blockchains are so low, then people had to develop these minimalistic uh, virtual machines and environments that are very simplistic. Uh, you cannot run heavy systems, you cannot boot an, an operating system or things like this because your computational ability is really low. You have uh, a low amount of computation that fits in a block and so on and so forth, right? So our idea was to start to use these principles of scalability. First of all, we, we, we thought that, okay, so if you can move away from global consensus that blockchains do and, and go toward a local consensus where only the, the interested parties, people who are interested in the result of the computation are really verifying, then we can really scale things up to a point to, that we can run a real operating system, right? So we started to, to push uh, these boundaries. Uh, we, we understood that by having a layer two like this, we were able to offer to people a programming model, a computational environment that's similar to what people are used to uh, on mainstream, right? But one of the barriers today for people to enter to enter blockchain is that they have to learn new concepts, they have to learn new new languages, they have to get used to new uh, development tools, and they are rather limited if you compare them to what people have on mainstream. So. That's the overall idea of Cartesi. We are actually bringing uh, to the blockchain space for the first time a, an actual operating system. So instead of developing smart contracts using Solidity, you can, you can actually bring your old traditional way of, of developing using mainstream software stacks, components, libraries. You can run a database. You can access the file system. You can do things that people normally do when they develop for Web2, for instance. That's great. And so I know you just mentioned, you know, now you don't, you're not just limited to Solidity or Rust. Um, what has been like the biggest challenge for implementing this approach, you know, allowing people to use C++ or Python or, um, you know, other programming languages? Well, 
I think that the, the basic thing here that we're implementing that uh, puts us apart compared to other projects is our virtual machine. So a big part of our efforts, if not most of our efforts, are around pulling off this virtual machine, which is not EVM compatible, it's not EVM based. It is a, a virtual machine that's based on, uh, on the RISC-V instruction set, which is an instruction set used a, a computer architecture for a real hardware, right? And it's an open standard and so on. And, and it's possible to run operating systems like Linux on top of this architecture. So th the biggest innovation here is our virtual, virtual machine. Uh, it's not really, I mean, it, it's challenging, but it, it's just a lot of work. Uh, everything that we have had to do for this machine have been have been uh, doing significant steps forward. It's very mature today. There are a few optimizations that we still have to do, but throughout these four years, we have advanced a lot with with this piece. Now, when we want to provide people uh, a model that's similar to smart contracts similar to what, what other layer two are doing, meaning that you can run, you can enter with your funds on layer two, then people can interact with smart contracts on layer two. Uh, eventually they want to exit, they want to go back to layer one, but they, they just interact with the systems for a long time on the layer two. So for us to enable that, that part, we also had to implement something like other projects are doing. In our case, we decided to implement optimistic rollups uh, with interactive dispute resolution, uh, which is similar to what other projects are doing, like Arbitrum. But yeah, I mean, we have everything mapped. Uh, the, the great innovation is really the virtual machine. But when you come, we, we bring those two pieces together, the virtual machine and optimistic rollups, you can actually then have uh, a second layer where you can run uh, an operating system. That's, that's awesome. Uh, so that kind of like spawns two questions for me. So the first one would be, are, are you guys multi-chain compatible? Uh, and then the second one would be, how do Cartesi rollups differ from other traditional rollups, maybe like ZK rollups? I know you guys said you're an optimistic-based rollup, um, but just for the crowd listening that may not know, Sure. So, in the case of ZK rollups, uh, the systems operate under the basis of, uh, of validity proofs, meaning that whenever you want to realize something that happened on layer two back to layer one, through ZK rollups, uh, the system will present the results to layer one with a cryptographic proof that's that result is valid. So layer one can just verify that proof and immediately accept uh, the results and finalize the, the, the transaction layer one. Now, with optimistic rollups, uh, it's a different principle. Instead of using validity proofs, you fraud proofs. So people just assume that whatever a validator on layer two is telling to layer one is accurate, is correct, is valid. And there is a, a challenge period in which 
other validators can verify if that result is correct or not. And if any other validator during that period realizes there is a fraud, then they are able to uh, initiate a, a fraud proof through layer one, right? So that's, that's the main uh, dif difference between optimistic rollups and ZK rollups. Uh, then when you go down into optimistic rollups, there are two subdivisions here as well. So we can, for instance, compare what optimism does to what Arbitrum does. So in the case of optimis uh, optimism, whenever a validator comes back to layer one saying, oh, this other validator is, is not acting honestly, I want to start a dispute then basically what the layer one has to do is to repeat the entire computation that happens uh, on layer two, on layer one. Because then when, when you run the entire computation on layer one, then you know, there is no more doubt left. Whatever layer one says is correct, is correct, and end of talk. But then that has implications, right? Because you are then limited by the amount of computation that would fit in a block, that would fit on layer one, that would be affordable on layer one. So there is a, a, an important computational limit when you are dealing with this kind of, of, of roll-ups approach. Now, what Arbitrum does uh, and what uh, interactive dispute uh, solutions allow us to do is to have to expand the, the limits of, of, uh, of computation far beyond what the, the blockchain can actually do. So... And that's the same algorithm that we are implementing at Cartesi. So basically, when, when one validator says that another validator is sending something that's incorrect, instead of running the entire computation on layer one, which would be infeasible, uh, then they start a game in which the, the, the blockchain mediates, makes questions to the two validators trying to spot the points in which they they are the point of the computation in which they are in disagreements. So most, the bulk of the computation happens off-chain, even in the case of disputes. And you only have to run a very small piece of the computation uh, on layer one to find out who is right and who is wrong. Then by using this kind of uh, optimistic rollups with interactive dispute resolution, since we can now scale computation to the orders of magnitude of, let's say, tens of thousands more computation than what you'd be able to do on layer one, then you can start to think about using more traditional computational models and environments. You can actually start to run uh, an operating system. That's exactly what you're doing. When you have this level of computation scalability, you can now start to think about traditional uh, computational uh, uh, ways of doing things. That, that was a lot. Oh, go ahead, just Yeah, I was just going to hop in. I was going to say, you know, hey, Eric, sorry if uh, you had maybe addressed this already. I've had some connections issues. But, you know, a lot of developers, like a core pillar and a core tenant for them is decentralization. And so I just wanted to see if you could touch on how the Cartesi machine is decentralized. Sure. So, the Cartesi machine is, is, uh, is the VM that we are going to use for Cartesi rollups, which is this system that I just explained uh, using 
this interactive dispute resolution method. Uh, the way that you decentralize is by having a set of, of validator nodes that will run the Cartesian machine off-chain, right? So when people want to interact with uh, applications running on layer two on Cartesi, they have to lock their funds on layer one. Uh, now their funds appear on layer two and users start to interact with the, the, the app on layer two. That's exactly the same concepts that you have on other systems like Optimism and, and Arbitrum or even ZK Sync. Uh, then the, the, you are not, from that point on, who is running the computation is not the blockchain anymore, right? So whenever a user sends an input to a smart contract or, or input to a DApp running on Cartesi, uh, the, the, the validator nodes of chain are the ones that are advancing the state of the application uh, and, you know, just, just performing everything it needs to perform on layer two. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then, uh, so what's going on here is that you are moving away from layer one into layer two, all the computational uh, loads and and the the uh, the advancement of the state of these state machines. So it's the validators on layer two who are performing the work, right? And that's the same thing that happens on other rollup solutions, not only uh, in Cartesi. So this this way of doing things is not particular to Cartesi; it is particular to rollups. Gotcha. And so the Cartesi token, um, you know, what, what, what role does that play in the ecosystem? That's a good question. So the Cartesi token um, will have an importance in, uh, in the decentralization of Cartesi rollups itself, right? So you, you can think that when you're running your DApp on Cartesi, you have a set of validator nodes uh, validating the computation. Whenever they, they disagree, they can enroll, uh, you know, they can go through a dispute resolution method mediated by layer one, as I said before. Uh, there are a number of, of, of services that are necessary for Cartesi rollups to work. So, for instance, whenever you want to go back from layer two to layer one, there is the, the, the concept of a voucher, which is data that needs to be bridged back from layer two to layer one. And whenever you have to run this voucher on layer one, there is a question of who should be running this voucher. There must be some in, in economic incentive for, for people to just execute this instruction back on layer one. And that's one example of where CTSI token enters because um, currently you have a proof of stake system that has been online for quite a long time now, stable, that is able to select nodes um, based on how much people are staking, right? So by using the, the proof of stake system, certain nodes are selected randomly and for instance, they, they can be the ones selected to run the voucher that I just explained back on layer one. Uh, 
Another thing that, uh, another role that CTSI will play for rollups is in the aggregation service. Another very important aspect of rollup solution is the need for you to have what they call sequencers or aggregators. Basically what they do is to gather lots of inputs from people, from users, uh, compress these inputs, and then insert on layer one. Right? So the aggregator is th this system that's uh, responsible for compressing inputs from users and, and putting on, on layer one. And again, uh, who, is, who, who is supposed to perform the service? Usually in, a, in current rollup solutions, you have aggregator systems that are somewhat centralized. In Cartesi, uh, we are working to develop a really decentralized aggregator service. And again, CTSI would have a role to play here in the sense that the certain nodes would be selected based on their stake to, to be the, the aggregator for some time. Right? Uh, then there will be also liquidity provider services. And again, the same concept will, will apply, that certain nodes will, will be selected, certain parties will be selected based on their stake to provide the service to, to, to Cartesi Rollups. So CTSI will be really uh, a very important piece in the decentralization of our layer two system. There is another, there is another piece that we are, we are developing, which is a long-term project, which is a data availability ledger. Uh, so right now, if you want to use Cartes Rollups, you have to put all your data on layer one. And of course, you'll be again limited by by what's reasonable for you to put on layer one in terms of data, because it can get very expensive to put data on layer one. And that's a problem that's shared by any rollup solution. Any rollup solution uh, needs to put data on layer one. Even if it's compressed, you're gonna reach to some point that things start to get very expensive. So another way of doing things is for, for you to use other data availability solutions that could be in the form of side chains. People talk about uh, Validium and other kind of solutions in which data, instead of going back to layer one, goes to another uh, layer uh, that is less safe than layer one, but it's still acceptable for a broad range of applications. One, uh, another project of Cartes is to develop this si a side chain that will be a data availability layer. We call this project Noder. Uh, and that, that will be a side chain where people can store more data than they would be able to store on layer one. And then CTSI will, will play a role there as a crypto fuel, similar to what uh, you, you have on ETH, on Ethereum, right? People need to spend ETH to, to send transactions to blocks on Ethereum. In the same way, people would, would need to spend CTSI to send data to Noder in the case of Cartesi. So all in all, we are, we are working to give broad utility to CTSI. It's gonna have an important role to play in rollups, it's gonna have an important role to play in the sidechain Noder as well. Gotcha, yeah, thank you for diving into that. And I, I wanna unpack a few things there. Um, I guess my first question, you had kind of touched on this a little bit on the proof of stake. Um, how, 
how is it determined what node um, would kind of like lead the validation? You had talked about it was random, but how, how is that randomness determined? And then the other question is, is there a minimum uh, stake allocation that you need to have or can anyone kind of be involved in that process? Yeah, it's a good question. So the way that we, uh, that the way that we calculate random, that we generate randomness uh, is based on the, on the block hash of Ethereum itself. So you can, you can assume that the, the hash of a block on Ethereum is, is pretty much random. And um, that is used as a, as a seed for a, for a probabilistic function that uh, will somehow elect nodes to, to receive their reward and to be uh, performing such services that I explained before, right? So basically, it's a, it's a math function that throughout time, it kind of allows uh, more and more nodes. Each node has a kind of a seed or kind of a, a cryptographic signature and throughout time, you, you have more and more nodes through their uh, random signatures getting more and more likely to be selected. So it expands gradually. And eventually, uh, throughout time, one node is typically selected before the others. So this node is able to go to the blockchain and say, hey, uh, I, I got uh, now the, the right to, to create a block and to receive a reward. And then the blockchain verifies through the math mathematical probabilistic function and checks, okay, yeah, this node really uh, uh, passes the test and it can be rewarded. So right now, what's, what our proof of stake system is doing is uh, running this stochastic probabilistic system. Uh, the, more, the more stake you have on a node, the more the greater the probability of this node being selected, that's also a very important feature uh, in the system. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a proof-of-stake system at all. So in the mathematical function that I just explained, the more, the more CTSI you stake on a node, the more likely it is for that node to be selected first before the others. Now, there is no minimum, there is no minimum uh, stake of CTSI for, for people to run their nodes. But one, one thing to consider here that's very important is whenever you're running a proof-of-stake node for Cartesi and you are selected, you have to go to layer one and claim uh, your, your reward in CTSI. And running that function layer one uh, costs gas in ETH. And you can have a, a kind of a, a wide variation on the price of this claim, depending on, on the gas price. So if um, it's important for you to, to, to have uh, enough CTSI stake in the system, right? So one thing that we did recently that was very important was a delegation for proof of stake that allows now for people to stake their CTSI without having to run their own nodes. So from now, from now, I mean, from, from some time on now, 
people can just take their CTSI and delegate them through a smart contract to a node operator. And everything is done in a non-custodial way. I mean, everything secured by smart contracts. People don't have to trust the node itself. Uh, and of course, the more CTSI you have on, on the node, the more likely that node is to generate the next block and be rewarded. And when the reward comes for the nodes, it splits uh, proportionally among the, the CTSI holders that put their CTSI on that node. So that's basically how, how it works. Um, yeah, the system has been on for, for quite a while now and, and it's uh, very stable. Gotcha. Um, I, I kind of want to shift gears here for a second and talk about um, just partnerships generally and like kind of the ecosystem, what you're seeing in some of the dApps being created. But um, I believe you guys are a partner with Chainlink. Could you kind of touch on that partnership and how you're utilizing Chainlink? Well, we have, uh, so from the beginning, one question that I forgot to answer probably uh, here is, I think you guys asked before if Cartesi intended to be uh, portable across different chains, and the answer is yes. From the beginning of the project, we, we, we knew that we didn't know if the future would be multi-chain or single chain. And we have been developing things in a way to make sure that Cartesi will succeeds um, no matter no matter how the, 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 the ecosystem develops. So we want to run on top of the most important blockchains like Ethereum uh, and many others. We, we, we had very important good talks with several projects in the past like Avalanche, Elrond uh, and others. Uh, and we have been preparing to integrate with these projects. Of course, we have to start by focusing on something, right? So our MVP will, will first be deployed on Polygon, also for, for the sake of uh, re reduction of fees and being more, more efficient. But the long game of Cartesi is to, for sure, uh, run on top of Ethereum and any other chain that is uh, you know, relevant and, and important has a good user traction. Uh, so, and we have, have been talking to several different parties in the, in the industry, in, in, including Chainlink, uh, keeping an eye on, on everything that's going on. So at some point, you know, after Cartes rollups go, goes to mainnet, uh, it will be important to integrate, uh, oracles directly to 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 the rollups layer and things like this. So that's why these kind of partnerships and, and agreements are important for us. Very cool. Um, and to, to Chase's, uh, I guess maybe Chase was his first point was asking like what kind of dApps are are currently built on Cartesi. Could you share like some of the the protocols that are that are currently using the platform? Yeah, so right now we are we are not on mainnet yet, right? So we are working to to get to the to the first version of Cartes rollups soon. I actually have a lot of a uh, lot of focus and effort being done in that direction right now by the tech team. And but throughout throughout the time we have Cartes itself has developed a few applications to to showcase uh, the platform, show the potential of what we're building. So the first thing that we developed back 
uh, in 2019, 2020, was scripts that I mentioned at the beginning of our talk, uh, which is a tower defense game showing that you know, it would be impossible for anyone to run a, a, a simple game, even if it's a tower defense game on a blockchain like Ethereum, because the amount of computation is orders of magnitudes uh, beyond what's possible for you to, to run on chain. So we developed Crypts to prove that concept. Um, more recently, we developed Texas Hodlum. We're playing with the words here because Texas, Texas Holden uh, game, but we just play with words and said, uh, called it Texas Hodlum. Uh, it, it, it was used to prove that uh, not only you can run more complex computation on Cartesi, but you can also leverage privacy features. So in the case of poker, you have to uh, maintain privacy, players have to conceal the cards. And of course, if you want to do something like this on chain, you also run into a problem because everything is there on the open for everyone to see. So using Cartes, you can also create a use zero knowledge system to develop something like a card game like poker. So we actually created a game, a heads up poker that's fully, fully, fully decentralized. And everything runs uh, through uh, the parties of the players that are that are playing outside and the, and, and the validators and you don't have to trust anyone uh, don't have to trust the players don't have to trust the validators if if there is someone trying to cheat the blockchain can be used as a mediator to to prove uh, whoever is right is correct and more recently we are also working with a few so software agencies and integrators who are developing several demo applications uh, on Cartesi rollups, right? So uh, we have people playing around with uh, computer vision software compiled to Cartesi. Uh, we have people playing around uh, developing a battle battleship uh, game uh, and many other things. So, so there are lots of... Uh, projects that are going on right now with close partners of Cartesi, which is very, very important for us for when we launch, when we launch uh, Cartesi on mainnet, we have actual products, actual demos for, for us or for people to get inspired, for developers to get inspired to know what they can do with our tech. Our focus now is to, is to give a lot of attention to education, to showing with examples what people can can do with our tech right because you have to consider that what you're doing is is uh, very potent because you're bringing for the first time a real operating system to people to develop not only people will be able to develop much more sophisticated smart contracts and applications but also that opens the door to mainstream developers to enter blockchain much more easily because they can come with the tools, their you know their their languages, uh, the stacks they are used to to develop their Web three applications. So it's very important for us to show uh, to the world of developers what they can do when Cartes is ready on mainnet, and that's our focus now. That's awesome. 
And um, have you guys announced when Mainnet is supposed to be live, or do you have a, an estimated like timeline for that? We are we are trying to. We don't have a, a specific date for Mainnet. We what we're doing recently is to try to be very um, clear about every single step we do toward Mainnet. So every month we have a we have a technical report in which we show the progress. We have new releases coming every month, and we are doing very fast progress to, toward mainnet. So uh, I think around July, August, we're going to have a very complete version uh, 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 on, on testnet. Things are getting pretty much mature at this point. Uh, anyone can go to our Medium uh, blog and see these technical reports in detail. The tech team is also always uh, available to talk and discuss our progress. Uh, and after we are on testnet, it's just a matter of stabilizing, uh, doing auditing, testing enough, and feeling safe to move on to mainnet. Very cool. Yeah, I look forward to seeing that and uh, seeing what type of dApps are are built on top of Cartesi. So um, I'm pumped for you guys to to finally to go live when you when you're ready. Um, I also want to talk to you about Cartesi Labs. Um, I saw that you guys had like a grant program and so forth. I was wondering if you could talk about that and and uh, for any of the listeners that want to get involved in that, how could they apply? Sure. So Cartesi Labs is a, is a funding program that we created. Uh, you know, through the Cartesi Foundation. The idea is to have funds allocated for the community of developers to come up with applications to develop the ecosystem further. So we, we have grants, uh, and together with these grants, we're developing a number of edu- educational uh, contents and ways for people to get engaged, to, to get to know more about Cartesi, to try the technology. But essentially, Cartesi Labs has the mandate to, uh, to provide uh, funds to foster these applications on Cartesi. So these funds will be distributed through different ways, right? So eventually, we can run uh, hackathons on systems like Gitcoin, as we did in the past, by the way, uh, and through other other means. Very cool. And uh, I believe you could just go to the Cartesi website, guys, to, to apply for that, right? Exactly. So if you go to the Cartesi website, uh, you go to labs, you see a step-by-step uh, guide line, a guide for you guys to just apply. You have to fill in a form to send us your proposal, and then we can evaluate. Awesome. Um, Eric, at the end of these combos, we sometimes allow like guests to come on and, and ask questions. Are you are you down for that? Of course. Hey, let's do it. Guys, if you have any questions in the audience, just hit that request button. We'll let you guys up one at a time. Uh, but in the meantime, Eric, just really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to come and talk to us and educate us on Cortesi. I think it's a pretty cool project. I love how you're bridging the Web 2 world right with Web 3 and making it easier for developers to come on board because it's that's definitely like the biggest barrier that 
or one of the biggest barriers that that we see is hey you have to learn this this other programming programming language that could be very confusing like solidity or rust yeah yeah and, I, and not not only that right i i feel that web3 is still uh at in the early days somehow and there is so much for us to discover in terms of possibilities of what we can do with with web3 and i think we have a much greater as an industry as a community we have much greater aspirations of what we want to do with this all this tech right so i think you want to go beyond simple defy uh simple simple games and the, the things that we see nowadays we want to see things that are much more uh complex and interesting that will bring users to web3 not only because they want to invest their money and and have gains which which is totally fine but actually people will start to engage with, with web3 because they the system also brings other value to them like web2 does like people engage in web2 because they want to socialize they want to share information they want to buy and sell services and goods right uh, there or for entertainment there are several reasons why people engage in web2 nowadays and we really haven't seen that happening to web3 yet uh Right, I think most of the 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 crowd that is in Web three uh, is coming due to DeFi, um, uh, uh, play to earn games, and now we have also have NFTs with the, which is a very interesting emergent phenomenon in the space. But I hope that we're gonna see in the in the future, in the next years, as we have technologies like Cartesi, as we as we have better user experience, that you're going to see the emergence of very interesting systems that will bring this new audience, these new uh, users to Web3 as well. And, and that's what, what I'm working for. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, the, the whole NFT thing kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't, wasn't expecting that to blow up this past year, but it's been, uh, it's been wild to watch, that's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, if anyone has any question, please uh, raise your hands. <laughs> we'll give it another, another second or two. If yeah, not, I think we no did worries. have someone. That was one asked a question earlier, but I think it was way earlier in the episode, but I don't think they're here anymore. Yeah, Eric, just thank you again for taking time out of your day to come on and, you know, inform us about uh, Cartesi and, you know, just help educate users. It's my pleasure. Thank you all for having me, having me on the show. And uh, thank you, everyone who came here, spending this time here, uh, learning about Cartesi. And, you know, we love to, to talk to, to people if you guys go to Telegram, there will be people there to assist you. If you guys want to learn more about the tech or if you want to start to develop something uh, with Cartesi, I recommend you guys to go to, to Discord. Uh, we have developers there, technical people who are eager to help to, to give instructions on how to start with Cartesi. And yes, uh, please uh, feel free to spread the word we are very excited with what you're building and your support is very important for us. Right on. Thank you so much, Eric, for coming on. It's It's been based. I hope everyone has a good night, a good morning, wherever you're at. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks again, Eric. See you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Bye. Bye.
Bass to Space.